This is the Truth About Investing Back to Basics podcast, where we want to help you take control of your personal finance and long-term investments. If you're looking for a way to learn the why and how of investing, then you've found the right place. Thank you for taking the time to learn how to better yourselves. Welcome, welcome back, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, uh, to another episode of the Truth About Investing Back to Basics. My name is Chris Holling, and I'm Sean Cooper, and we are starting off. It's I think we've turned this into season five. I think that's what this has become. We were going to do this block, which we're we're going to touch on. It's like an insurance block, uh, specifically talking about life insurance and how the conversation just went. Was hey, we should do this episode. And Sean's saying, no, 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 it's going to be two episodes. Wait, it's going to be three ep. No, it's going to it's gonna be 200 episodes of life insurance. <laughs> and I said, Sean, that's that's too much. It's <laughs> too many episodes. Okay, I can I can knock it down to like two, <laughs> two eight hour sessions or uh, or uh, <laughs> like five. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to do a block here where it is going to be focusing on life insurance. And the, the honest thing I did tell Sean was, uh, Sean, we're, we're going to have to make it smaller doses for this topic so that I can actually digest it and remember it rather than zone out like I did in some classes I've taken before. So you mean season four? <laughs> I only zoned out like two-ish, three times how many episodes were there <laughs> six i probably zoned out five times <laughs> ouch because no I'm, I'm i'm kidding it was i it was, know i know um but this way we can we can get out and we can touch on some of these things and then have it not be overwhelming for really for me but for everybody and uh then we just we just decided to put it all together to keep it cohesive and so i believe this is the season five which Maybe you already know that if you just downloaded season five. I just haven't decided yet. We, we haven't gotten that far yet. So welcome back to, I think, series season. Series season five. Yes. And series season five. <laughs> and Sean, we are talking about life insurance. And I know that I know that there's like term life insurance and whole life insurance. And that's about the extent of my knowledge goes. Uh, are we are we touching on one of those today, or is it like a foundational thing that we go over today? What what are, what are we talking about? I don't even know. I'm thinking we go more foundational. I know we've talked about. I mean, season one obviously was all about insurance as well, but it was specifically about uh, health insurance. And I don't know that we ever covered insurance as a general concept. We we kind of started just delving into some of the the terms you needed to understand for health insurance specifically. So okay. Um, and some of those terms will apply to life insurance as well. But yeah, I was kind of thinking maybe we just cover the very, the concept of insurance as a whole. Okay. So. Well, uh, insurance is a thing you pay money into. And then if something bad happens, it, uh, it pays money out to you and, uh, you should find the, the right cost to, to benefit. Thank you. And good night. Right. Is that how we, that was pretty good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the base understanding I know about. I know we've talked about health insurance and we've referenced car insurance. We've we've talked about 
I, I don't know. Uh, we've we've talked about a lot of different ones, but uh, as far as I understand, life insurance is when they should call it death insurance. I think, but like life insurance is what kicks yes. in when when you when you die, right? Yeah. Okay. So now that we're talking, I don't think about, they'd sell as much if they called it death insurance. Yeah. Maybe well, they should twitch. I, I think maybe, maybe they should. So, to, uh, so to collect on your death insurance, uh, <laughs> you have to die, and it actually goes to your benefactors, and uh, uh, yep. Now you're caught up in my knowledge. So, that was good. I liked you. it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, well, tell me solid. more about death insurance then. I mean, and ba- basically, the whole concept of insurance is convenience and affordability. You're you're paying out a small, either monthly or annual premium, in exchange for them covering a large financial loss, most likely. Okay, so insurance that loss would be the loss of a you know family member, typically. Uh, potentially some other relative or very close friend, but you're offsetting some financial risk typically, like they're, in that case, their income. So there, there are a number of different ways to cover or to address risk. Obviously, you know, one option is you just accept the risk for what it is and you go along with your life. Uh, another is to avoid a risk altogether. You don't want to get in a car accident, so you don't get in a car ever. Yeah, solves that. It does. Take that car. <laughs> it's a bit of a challenge, but it solves the problem. Um, yeah, life insurance a little, little more difficult to you know avoid the risk associated there. There, you know, you could choose not to take certain risks that might lead to your death, but ultimately, it's impossible to avoid it forever. At least this point in time. Um, another would be to uh, reduce the risk or mitigate the risk. So, like a yeah, partial coverage? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, not necessarily partial coverage, but um, you know, my if we take like the the car example as opposed to okay, well, I'm never going to get in a vehicle again. I'm going to take defensive driving courses so that I'm better capable of handling different situations or ice driving or, you know, different things to help reduce the chance of me getting in an accident. Or I'm going to buy a Hummer that's, you know, if something hits me, you know, a car hits me, I'm less likely to be injured in the accident because I'm driving a tank. (laughs) You know what? I think I need to buy a Hummer. It's good. It's good. Uh, insurance yeah <laughs> why not it's uh yeah it's risk mitigation or risk yeah, sure. reduction my mo- my mom was all in favor of me buying a humvee when i was buying my first vehicle instead <laughs> i bought a toyota mr2 spider which is the tiniest thing you can possibly imagine and uh basically just accepted the fact that if i was ever in an accident i was dead oh yeah mine is the total opposite i got a uh, an old 1980 f-150 a whole nice it's not steel it's not real kind of build oh yeah and, uh i uh i certainly never got any dings or dents placed in that truck but i placed several myself <laughs> so, you know, i was on the opposite my end of that. uh my mr2 still in good condition man it was built to be light but uh do you still have uh, it very maneuverable yes i do oh my god good it's 2001 you. 
They stopped producing it in 2004, which was the same year I bought it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, okay. It's only, only got 53,000 miles on it. 54 now, something like that. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I have so many more questions about that, but it's it's not going <laughs> to touch on, on what we're doing here. Okay. All right. Well. Okay. Yes. Or mitigation. Understood. Yes. And then the last option would be risk transfer. So obviously you can't make it so that someone else gets in an accident for you or dies on your behalf. That, that doesn't work. But you can transfer the financial risk associated with it. And that is where insurance comes into play. I'm, I'm just visualizing like you get in a car wreck and like this, <laughs> this guy shows up and he's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm here for you. <laughs> like, takes the place in the seat and oh oh it hurt. <laughs> sorry uh, as soon, no as soon as you started started talking about it i was visualizing it and i was already <laughs> like cracking up because the whole concept is hilarious or, it hurts, you know, it hurts. no 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 your, yeah. your your ankle hurts oh my ankle <laughs> <laughs> or even if they're not like directly you know your your concept is they they get somehow get transferred direct to your spot and I was originally thinking, like, as opposed to, like, you still go through it, but somehow they are actually the ones that experience the, like, whatever happens to you. So, like, you break your leg and this random person walking down the street all of a sudden just falls <laughs> over because they're like, oh, I took that risk. I shouldn't have done it. But my leg's broken now. You were fine a second ago. I know. He paid me, like. <laughs> Shut up. Just just order me the white chocolate. <laughs> white chocolate hot chocolate i just i just and i'll just i'll be over here with my broken leg oh <laughs> uh, this is way more enjoyable than most insurance conversations i gotta tell you <laughs> well yeah I'd, I'd say every time that you bring up insurance you should talk about breaking some random person's leg i think that's i think that's good insight <laughs> yes Yes, true risk transfer. Um, but yeah, that is the point of insurance is to be able to transfer the financial risk associated with whatever. Sure. Uh, in this case, we're talking predominantly about life insurance. Um, in, there's a couple of pictures that I want to paint for you that are not nearly as enjoyable as the ones we've already done so far, thanks to Chris. <laughs> Do, um, do it, Bob Ross. Let's see what you got. <laughs> to give you a, a, an understanding of insurance and essentially how it works. So uh, the first thing I want you to do is picture a place where you walk in and you pay small amounts of money for the chance of a large payout. I mean, that's like where did you 7 just 11. go? 7-Eleven. You went to 7-Eleven. Well, I mean, that's where you're going to get the lotto ticket. I feel like that's the okay. same. Lotto. Yes, okay. absolutely. Where, where else might you go? On, uh, 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 the lotto ticket store. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's, let's, say, let's say Walmart. You could probably, probably get a lotto ticket at Walmart. Okay, so you're, you're, you're stuck on the lotto ticket, which is okay. accurate. Um, my thought was a casino, same basic premise. Oh, okay. Yes. You're literally going into, and you're paying a small amount for the chance of a large payout. In the case of insurance, you're paying a small amount, your monthly premium, to offset the risk of a large payout. Or in the case of life insurance, 
for a large payoff out to offset someone's passing. Both casinos and insurance companies employ the exact same well-educated actuaries to crunch the numbers to make sure that they are profitable. Mm -hmm. In order for either of them to be profitable, people have to pay more in than the company is paying out. Absolutely. After we account for interest and things of that nature. Well, and including the expenses of, like, staff and stuff, too, just to run. Correct. Yep. Yep. So basically, the the odds have to be stacked in the insurance or the casino's favor in order for that relationship to hold. If it doesn't hold, then they're not profitable, then they go out of business, and then as an insurance holder, you're stuck relying on reinsurance companies or FDIC insur- uh, coverage to you know cover any potential claim, and that's not a good situation. So you, you, you want the insurance company to be profitable, but it's important to understand that in order for them to be profitable, the relationship has to hold that it, it works in their favor overall. No, that totally makes sense. I, and I mean, like, I, I knew that that's the only way that the, you know, would, the business would continue to move forward. Do you know of any insurance companies that, like, say their their numbers weren't great and then they were paying out too much and then they went under? I actually, I, I mean, I've never thought about that. Uh, yeah, like dozens in 2008. Oh, nine. okay. Makes sense. Yeah. That was huge for insurance companies, uh, predominantly insurance companies that were uh, not not specifically life insurance companies. That one that wasn't an issue for them that period, um, but uh, annuity companies specifically. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yep. Um, but yeah, and you've actually touched on some of the the concepts in the the second picture I was going to paint. So, if you were to take you know, at a very basic level. So strip everything away and you just got like you and 10 friends that are all roughly the same age, uh, same sex, because otherwise your uh, life expectancies change. So for insurance purposes, you stick to the same sex for pooling purposes. Um, or if you don't do that, then you have to either have a larger pool or their their age, the age of the other sex would have to be slightly offset in order for the the pooling to work and the averages to work, but that we're getting into the weeds there. Um, Anyway, so assume a group of you and a few friends get together and you decide, okay, we're going to pool our money for for insurance on each other. Okay, so you all agree we're going to dump in this much per month. You've done the math and each of us is going to get or our beneficiaries are each going to get this amount for, as a death benefit. You know, call it a million dollars. So you you back into the the math to figure out how much you each need to invest and you're going to pool your funds, right? Right. Okay, so in that scenario, so if you take a group of guys the life expectancy of 79, roughly half of the the people in that group are going to die prior to age 79 and roughly half are going to die after age 79. That's why 79 is an average. Okay. Okay. That means the half that dies before uh, they've, you know, I guess they've, they've gotten the short end of the stick in terms of life expectancy there. However, their beneficiaries got the benefit because 
they're actually getting more out of the policy than what they've paid in. On the flip side, the people who die after age 79 put more into the policy than what they're getting out, but they live longer, so they, you know. And I'm sorry, starting starting at what age when you start putting into it, or does that? It doesn't matter what what age you start at is irrelevant. It's only relevant to how much you have to put in. Gotcha. Okay, got it. What's relevant is the life expectancy. And we're dealing with the averages here. So what we're saying is, so if 10 guys get together and pool their funds, and roughly half of them will die prior to their life expectancy, which is 79. Uh, in this case, I was dealing with a group of guys who are 45. Life expectancy of 79. Okay. At the time. Um, and roughly half will die after age 79. The half that die prior to age 79 will get more out of the policy. Their beneficiaries will get more out of the policy than what they put in. And the half that dies after will get less out of the policy than what they put in. Now, we're not factoring in interest in this scenario, but if if they were to invest the funds, whether they went with the policy or without the policy, the result is still the same. The point is roughly half of them come out ahead based on the insurance and rough of them come out, roughly half of them come out behind based on the insurance. So what we have here are basically 50-50 odds, perfectly balanced odds. That's our base case scenario. Sure, that makes sense. And that applies to any of these insurances. Now, in this case, we're dealing with this would be whole life insurance as opposed to term, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but 50-50 odds. Now, the issue with a very small group like this, like 10 people, is someone could you know, randomly get into an accident. They die in the next year or two, and there's not going to be sufficient funds in the pool to actually pay the, the beneficiaries the insurance that was agreed upon. So that's the issue with the, the small groups. The averages can get thrown way out of whack by one one event. And that's why insurance companies deal with the law of averages as it relates to large numbers. So where the averages actually average out. Um, then they actually have enough people paying in to cover um, uh, those one-offs where somebody dies very, very early relative to their life expectancy. Right. But... As you were talking about, the second you put in that insurance company, you institute that that corporation that is acting as that middleman to pool all the funds, there are costs associated with that. You have to pay the executives. You have to pay the sales. You have to pay the actuaries that are crunching all the numbers. You have to pay the service department. You have to pay for the buildings. You have to pay for the people cleaning the buildings. Uh, you have to pay for you know, the... You have to show some kind of profits for the owners, otherwise they're not going to invest and there would be no company. Um, all of these costs add up. So if our base case scenario was 50-50, then by definition, if we add costs to it, then your odds of coming out ahead go down. Right. So your, your best case scenario is less than 50% in that scenario. Now, I don't bring this up to say that you should never buy insurance. Sure. The, the point is that insurance is, you're not buying insurance to try to come out ahead. That is not the purpose of insurance. Insurance is to offset or uh, transfer risk. So people that view insurance as an investment, uh, that's very shaky ground in my opinion. 
and that makes sense. And I, I, I don't know if this is going to get too far off the topic of what you're talking about. When, but in, in my head, when you're talking about insurance and like the the time to decide insurance, and I, I know I always revert back to, to auto insurance. Just I, I think just because it seems most relatable to me. Uh, but when, when I think about car insurance, I think about the fact that you are not getting car insurance. Uh, uh, okay, let me reword that. You are getting car insurance for the possibility of needing to replace your car, period. And the fact is that they, as a company, would need to replace the car if it's totaled. And that's that's the purpose of car insurance. And there are some half steps in between and some things that might get covered and might not and premiums and, and whatever. But because I understand it, that way that I'm I am looking to have coverage to have my car replaced then that's when I can objectively look at whether or not I want insurance or what level I'm comfortable with having and uh, the the reason I think of that I think I addressed this when we were talking about deductibles in the first season Uh, so if if this is familiar then just just saddle up along with me here but uh, when when I'm talking about deductibles and talking about the ability to go okay well now i have i have this amount of funds that can go towards in this example replacing my car and then uh they cover the rest whatever you're comfortable with past that point and then you start to go okay i can actually put this much so you start to increase your deductible or increase the amount that you're looking at i can handle this much towards replacing my car once you get to the point of where you have enough funds that are set aside or dedicated or you know where you would pull them from to buy yourself a new car if your car became totaled that's when you can decide with yourself okay am i comfortable with self-insuring and having something like a liability only at that point maybe you have a three thousand dollar car that if you wreck it you already had eight thousand dollars set aside to buy a new car that would be better than this one anyway you just don't see any reason to get rid of it because it's still running type thing like that's a good example to me of thinking about should i go the extra mile do i really want this full coverage for this car that might not be worth a lot or for that matter that i'm just going to wind up replacing with this amount that i have prepared for it anyway and that's the type of stuff that i look at i guess i I don't know if that was relatable now i'm wondering if i've completely fell off the trail with all of that. No, that's good. Um, no, honestly, what you were talking about with uh, self-insurance, that is a great example of an alternative to instead of risk transfer with insurance. So in self-insuring, you are basically accepting the risk originally, setting aside funds to mitigate the risk. So yeah, in the sure. early phases, because you're setting it aside yourself, in the early phases of that process, you're not going to have sufficient funds to fully um, pay for, in your example, the car. You're, you're not going to have enough funds for it early early on. But over time, you will. That's the point of it. And so you're mitigating that risk over time. In, uh, initially, I would consider it risk acceptance because you're basically just accepting the risk and in hopes that you can defer enough funds to uh, cover it as time goes on. Sure. Yeah, that. That's exactly what I'm saying, just in better words. Good job, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's absolutely an example, and that's uh, part of why I bring this up, because you you do have options 
associated with these risks, whether it's accepting it, uh, mitigating it, or reducing it, or transferring it. Right. Um, avoidance, again, is it's, it can be an option sometimes. Right. It's, it's I, I guess, just objectively and why I wanted to mention that. It doesn't make sense to me to spend... Uh, these numbers aren't right or anything, but like, I, it doesn't make sense to me to spend 350 bucks a month to cover a car that's worth $1,500. Like right. that I, I, at the very least, like, in, unless I'm expecting to go careening off a road with it in the next week or so, like, eh, maybe, but like, uh, I mean, in, with the car insurance, most states technically require you to unless you uh, post a bond to oh, sure. offset it but yeah sure i'm not saying no insurance i i'm saying that like it doesn't make sense sorry maybe i should reword that I, it doesn't make sense to me to have 350 a month for full coverage on a car that's only worth 1500 dollars because right. then even at that point you know if i'm waiting say it's four months from now and then i wreck it well then i'm even if there is no deductible then at best i have paid what the insurance company is going to pay to me because of the value of the car in itself at yeah. best. Yep. So, okay, good. I'm glad. I'm gl- see, isn't this, isn't this great when we just, we just see easily eye to eye on things and I, <laughs> and I understand what we're talking about. It's, it's great. It's cohesive. We're in your it's, territory now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm up against the, like, I'm, I got it. I got it. I'm in. Nice. Little, little nice. Jab in there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, the biggest this... the biggest challenge I see with these decisions, though, overall. So, do I take the risk? Do I accept the risk? Do I mitigate the risk? Do I transfer the risk? Is the emotional response associated with these risks, which tends to be fear, fearing fear of leaving your family with piles of debt and limited income potential, uh, fear of causing an accident and having to pay hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical bills and repairs, fear of your house burning down, all sorts of different things that come, you know, conjure images in your mind that tend to push people towards uh, risk transfer over any other option. So statistics, strictly statistically speaking, your best bet is the self-insurance. However, that's not necessarily the, the most prudent option for many people, depending on their situation. But my point is, you have to try to consciously uh, control your the emotional decision-making and make a logical decision on each insurance, whatever it is, for your situation. Right. And it's it's also not unreasonable at all to to understand what that is and move towards that. That's at least for for one of my cars. They're they're not both this way, but one of my cars is self insured, which is what makes me think of this as a, a relatable example. And it's just because it's not worth a lot nowadays, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I don't I don't put a bunch of money into it. Uh, and I'm I'm ready to accept if I do something stupid and I completely wreck my car. Um, but I wasn't ready for that immediately. I knew I wanted to get to that point and I had to start setting aside funding, start setting aside what I was comfortable with to get to that state. So even if this is something that you go, oh, I would like to get to that stage, going through stages of insurance to get there is also totally reasonable. These are just 
it's just informational to be able to to see what's in front of you and, and how to get there, I guess, to me. Exactly, exactly. And as we go through this, you know, some of the next topics we'll be talking about, we'll, we'll actually cover, you know, the different types of life insurance, term insurance versus whole life insurance, as well as annuities. And we'll talk about some of the places where uh, we feel they make sense, where you might want to consider them, as well as some of the pitfalls and things to watch out for so that you have, uh, you know, both perspectives um, and hopefully just, again, more tools for the toolbox and or the tour belt. I don't remember which one you use. One <laughs> no, of the it's, two. It, it, it is, it's tools for the toolbox. No, I was, I was picturing poor little Johnny finding the pitfalls is what I was picturing. Like you get over there. <laughs> oh, that's a pit. Johnny, John, hey, I'm on it. Ah! Squish. That was Johnny. Oh, okay. Poor Johnny. <laughs> okay. Poor well, Johnny. I mean, this feels like a pretty good intro to me. How do you, how do you, how do you feel? Yeah. I feel good. Good. Okay. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, in this in this next insurance block season five question mark uh, approach that we're doing into some insurance here and, and trying to break it down digestibly for for me. It's really all for me, and that's that's just fine. <laughs> so, uh, but thank you again for joining us and continuing to want to learn how to better yourself. Uh, here on the truth about investing back to basics my name is chris holling and i'm sean cooper and we will catch you next time podcast disclaimer disclaimer the disclaimer following this disclaimer is the disclaimer that is required for this podcast to be up and running and fully functioning and moving forward this is going to be the same disclaimer that you will hear in each one of our episodes We hope you enjoy it just as much as we enjoyed making it. All content on this podcast and accompanying transcript is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein by Sean Cooper are solely those of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, unless otherwise specifically cited. Chris Halling is not affiliated with Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, nor do the views expressed by Chris Halling represent the views of Fit Financial Consulting, LLC. This podcast is intended to be used in its entirety. Any other use beyond its author's intent, distribution, or copying of the contents of this podcast is strictly prohibited. Nothing in this podcast is intended as legal accounting or tax advice and is for informational purposes only. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. This podcast may reference links to websites for the convenience of our users. Our firm has no control over the accuracy or content of these other websites. Advisory services are offered through Fit Financial Consulting, LLC, an investment advisor firm registered in the states of Washington and Colorado. The presence of this podcast on the internet shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by our firm in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without our first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant an applicable state exemption. For information concerning the status or disciplinary history of a broker-dealer, investment advisor, or their representatives, the consumer should contact their state securities administrator. I'm a big dark chocolate fan and, uh, 
white chocolate bars should not exist. <laughs> I I need to I need to start making a list on things I need to buy you just on principle and white chocolate out there. <laughs> it will go in the trash. <laughs> I won't even try it. I need to find No, what I need to find is I need to find some kind of chocolate that's got like a white chocolate center to it so you have to like actively go around it. That's what I need to find. <laughs> You don't why? like cookies and cream? Why waste it? Why waste it? I don't know. Cookies and cream? Yeah. For the most part, that's not necessarily talking about white chocolate. No, you're true. That I mean, that's accurate. But like that, it's like a Hershey's bar, cookies and cream, and it's got like, it's the white no, chocolate. No, not a fan. Too sweet for me. Too sweet. Right. No, I'm 70 to 80% cocoa content. Well, I'm just sweet enough for you to tolerate. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's record some stuff.